If you're not being profitable in your business, then in six months to a year, you're not going to be able to help anyone. Yeah. Because you won't be there anymore because it's no longer sustainable and you will crash and burn. And that's not going to help anyone. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. We're here for yet another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Brianne Dick here and Jill. When I saw the topic for this episode, I had a moment of really... We're going to talk about pricing (laughs) because what went through my head, what we intended originally for this podcast to be when we were, you know, first envisioning it was, you know, the stuff that's beyond the beginner podcasts. And I saw pricing and I was like, isn't that like the most beginner topic of them all? And then you rightly corrected me and said, actually, I talk about with pricing with our client all the time. You You can't see me. Everyone, as you're listening to this podcast, but I'm, I'm sitting here as she's saying all the time, I'm mouthing it along with her because I do talk about it all the time. And it is such a thing when it comes to culture and values, how it impacts pricing and all of the things related to that profit structure in the business. And before we start you know, diving into some of the roundtable and what some of our guests had to say, I'm really curious in your experience with our clients. What is it that brings them to a place of feeling like they need to change their pricing? Essentially, why is pricing not a settled question by the time you get to mid six figures? We talked a little bit about this previously in previous seasons about commodity-based pricing versus value-based pricing. And similar to one of the earlier conversations this season, even value for value, that kind of concept of paying for something and getting out what you paid. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where the basics of ROI first started from, but that's a whole nother soapbox. I'm going to put that back. So they're coming to this place where it's like they have been doing commodity-based pricing and now they're realizing something else needs to change or are they even seeing that? A little bit of both. I often see about half and half where they realize that something needs to change, but they don't necessarily know what other than my pricing maybe needs to shift. But the other piece of it is those that come in and they know that it's no longer in alignment for them. And they know that the purpose, the vision, the mission that they have isn't being properly supported by the pricing and the model in which that they're running. I mean, I can see that, right? Especially when you have business owners that have moved from being more on the solopreneur side of things. And then you go to the point where you just, you add some help. We were actually just talking about this in one of our academy workshops the other day. It was like, you start off solo and then you add some help, but then there's the transition to actually building this as a real business and your cost structure changes a lot as you start to go that way. And you go from $100 an hour being great from a profitability standpoint to now you need to be at $300 or $400 an hour in your billable rate because you have overhead and sales and marketing costs and you need to spend time doing project management and all of those non-billable tasks start to add up. And I think that ties into what you're saying about culture. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's this idea of I want to be running a profitable business, I need that cash flow, but I don't know how I can remain in integrity and charge what I need to be able to justify what is often higher prices. It's not always, 
Sometimes it's you could actually change your delivery and reduce your prices. But I think for the most part, people realize that their prices aren't sustainable because they're too low. Yeah, generally speaking, or if they're 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 over delivering for the price mm-hmm. that they're they're actually going for, right? And that's that difference between the value of the client, value of the business. Are you over delivering on what you promised? Are you emphasizing that if you could look at the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the client's results are coming from 20% of, of the things that you do with them. If you're overemphasizing the other 80%, then you're putting yourself in a position where you are over-delivering and therefore undervaluing the work that you're doing because of that equity exchange. Well, and it also, you talked about value for value, which we talked about in our all about value episode on value propositions, <laughs> which is that exchange of value and how it needs to be representative of what you are giving to the client, but it also is an indicator of what the client is expecting to receive from you. And what's interesting for me is for many of our clients coming into Academy, one of the transformations they undergo is the me to we transition right? Where they go from being that solopreneur to actually deciding to build a business. And you Mm -hmm. touched on this when you talked about going from that $100 an hour to now having overhead and things like that. But one of the other things that happens from a internal perspective that I always find so interesting because it aligns so closely with the transformation the business undergoes by finding its purpose, its vision, its mission, and its values, finding its culture is the entrepreneur, the visionary themselves, undergoes a similar transformation where they start to uncover their authority mm-hmm. in their industry. And they're no longer just a hired gun. They're now talking from a place of authority and they have the culture in the business to back them up yeah. as something to lean against. Of course, that's easier said than done though, because mm-hmm. especially when you've been serving a market at a particular price point, There's a lot of times this concern about, you know, if I raise my prices, yes, I need to from a profitability standpoint, but am I going to be pricing people out? Does does this mean I'm shifting my market? Does, you know, what does this all mean? And I think Lindsay Bonham was the perfect person to bring this up in our roundtable because (laughs) she's actually the founder of Money Skills for Therapists. And so she's teaching therapists and coaches how to manage their business finances and she still had this experience about this whole like objection of will this make my work less accessible to the people that I want to serve? Yeah, something we're doing right now, actually, in my business this year, one of our things that we're doing is we're increasing our price, which especially being a therapist by training, there's all sorts of baggage that comes with that and wanting to be accessible and people who need it the most had the least money. But what I've really noticed is price is part of that, right? What people are paying to play, how much skin is in the game, does really affect the way that people show up. And definitely a mistake that we've made this year, and now that we're now we're course correcting, is charging at a low enough point that there's no push for people. So it's very easy for people to therefore put off the work and not prioritize it and say, oh, I'll get to it later. I'm just going to have this session instead. And for them not to do that hard work of stopping what they're doing, focusing on money, which is the thing that they've been avoiding, and not doing that easy thing, which is just seeing another client, probably at a fee that's too low or then spending a ton of money because they're exhausted and their money all goes out the door on like fast food and comfort stuff. And so that's something that we are learning and rolling out this month is a price increase so that 
people have to pay that much more. They have more skin in the game, but also they're going to have to really know that I'm the right person they want to learn from. It's not just something that's accessible and easy and a no-brainer purchase, but something that costs enough that they're like, yeah, no, Lindsay's the right person. I want that person who knows money, but is also feministy, but nice, but has tattoos, but this, but that, all the things that line up that make them my ideal person. I want them to really feel solid about that and putting down the extra money that we're asking them is going to make them have to think about, are they really solid that I'm the right person and this is the right time? That last concept that she was talking about there ties directly back into, again, the value conversation that we had not that long ago and the idea of calling in the right clients that align with who you are and what you're delivering. Price is a component of that. Yeah. And when you have that not in alignment, you are opening the door for people that aren't going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that those people don't deserve to be helped, mm-hmm. but we can't all help everyone. Yeah. I think what's interesting is like listening to what Lindsay's saying, it flies a bit in the face of the economics principle of like price <laughs> equals supply versus demand, uh. which is a very capitalist way of, exactly. It's a very capitalist way of thinking about it is pay what your market will bear. Look at what your co- competitors are charging and charge either exactly the same as them or a little bit less or exorbitantly more, right? Like those are usually the options you're giving is you can pay a little less, you can charge the exact same amount, or you have to go to the other extreme and charge way more because you want to be in a whole different category. And I think at the end of the day, what's missing from all of that conversation is exactly what Lindsay said, which is what about fit? What does the pricing that you're putting in place have to say about who you're serving and how you want to serve them and what makes someone the right fit? And how does it allow you to be profitable, not to gouge people, but at least to be able to continue to run and grow your business the way you want so you can help more people? Yeah. And on that last piece, and there's another thing I want to circle back on, but on that last piece that you just said there, Brianne, is a really key thing because if you're not being profitable. And I'm not talking about like 100% markups that you're making a million dollars and everyone else on your team is making like minimum wage. I'm not talking about profitable that way. I'm talking about profitable in the way that you can grow your business sustainably. If you're not being profitable in your business, then in six months to a year, you're not going to be able to help anyone. Yeah. Because you won't be there anymore because it's no longer sustainable and you will crash and burn. Yeah. And that's not going to help anyone, least of all you never mind your clients. And that's where this idea of value to business and value to customer is so important. We don't just choose prices arbitrarily. What we need to do is be ensuring that the price that we're charging, the time that we're investing, the amount of support and team and resources that go into delivering this experience is coming back to the business in an equitable exchange, right? It's not an equal exchange. It's an equitable exchange because the other thing that comes into this is what are your values around things like money and finance? How do you want that to be expressed in your business? Are you the kind of business and and the kind of business owner that wants to artificially keep salaries at all the exact same level, right? There are some CEOs who do that. And they just say, everyone makes the same amount and that impacts the cost to deliver the service and therefore the pricing. Or you might have someone who is happy to make millions and then be able to have their staff making pennies. And that's an expression of culture 
that's also going to impact pricing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up equity because I want to acknowledge something here, that there are situations where minorities and underprivileged individuals won't necessarily have access to the funds, even though they would be the right fit otherwise. Yeah, And I'm not saying that you are to ignore them, Mm -hmm. but if you are kidding yourself, if you are able to be profitable, you can then put into place programs that can support those individuals. Yeah. Having things like pay it forward, having scholarships, that kind of thing, you can still do that and be profitable, Mm -hmm. but you need to have the profitability first in order to be able to do that level of accessibility. There's some really interesting work being done in this area. There's actually a lot of evidence to suggest that scholarships are the wrong way to go about it, that we shouldn't be doing it through scholarship programs and that sort of thing. And I'm certainly not an expert in that. One of the interesting models that I've seen is where your pricing is, you know what your price is, and then you have, it's essentially needs-based pricing. And if you can, the the scale is usually something like, if you can go out for dinner and you go on vacations and that kind of stuff, then you should pay the higher amount. And if you are on government assistance and you, you're just trying to put food on the table, then you should pay the lower amount. And the idea is the people who pay more are subsidizing the people who are paying less exactly. and then the, the main price is in the middle, which is actually the profitable, if you will, price for the offer. And that's like the offer that most people should find themselves into. There's so many different ways that you can adjust your rates. And the thing is that there's not one right answer because it does tie into what can your business support And what capacity do you have to deliver? You're not just aiming to increase how much you're charging per hour. You're literally looking to unhook your client's perception of value from the hours involved altogether. Back in episode six, business architect Lisa Mannion told us about how she expressed her values as part of her value proposition. And she had some insight into why every entrepreneur's desire to please people ends up leading them into, or often ends up leading them into getting overworked and underpaid. My prices are definitely not the lowest in the industry, but people understand the value that they get. And once we have a conversation, which is always required because we have to make sure that there's a really clear fit, they understand either it's a clear yes or it's a clear no. And either way is totally fine with me. I'm not attached to the outcome. I'm not really sales driven. I'm service driven, but of course, rolling into the profitability as well. And that actually amplifies when you are choosing those right clients and when you're really illustrating what that value is and their understanding too, that they're at a place in their business where they're ready to play. I think also that wanting to be of service and help more people than we're really designed to help based on capacity goes hand in hand with people pleasing at times too. I'm in the midst of that as well, because actually by letting go of some of the, those um, lower priced offers and really rolling everything into a larger hybrid group program will serve people better than some of the things that we may have created. And what happens often for people, especially for entrepreneurs, and I'm guilty of this too, we create something and it's like our baby. We don't want to let go of it. But at the same time, we have to let go to grow because we're continually growing and evolving as business owners, and so are our clients. So as we continue to learn and grow, then we also attract better and more aligned clients too at the same time. This is something that we've talked about a lot, right? Is this idea that if you have a bajillion offers for various quantities of a bajillion, (laughs) you know, you're in a position where are you really providing the best 
results, support, service you can. And that for me is so powerful about what Lisa says here is, are you making these decisions based on what's ultimately fear, right? I need to people please and make other people happy. And I don't want to let go of this stuff because what happens if I do? We're making these decisions out of fear instead of looking at what do our values tell us that we should be offering and at what price point. And so we end up trying to do all the things because we're afraid, I think, to look at our values and say, actually, our values say that we should be doing this one thing and doing it really well. Yeah. And the idea, the concept of having all of those different things, so essentially that someone can be buying right away, no matter what their budget is, really lends itself into that misalignment. It is partly, yeah, it's coming from fear. The fear, though, like most a lot of people will not actually say that I'm afraid of it this way. Instead, they'll say, you know, I have a responsibility to my team mm-hmm. to bring in the money. I actually just had a conversation with one of our clients talking about bringing in someone as an employee and the level of responsibility she was feeling mm-hmm. for having someone in. And it's, I have to go out and get all the money because otherwise, if I don't pay, if I don't get money, I can't pay my team. Yeah. Which is a hundred percent true by the way, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it's also 100% true that every time you go and create something different, especially when that's not coming from a place of this is in alignment with our values, you're actually creating more work, right? You need to do more research, more development, more maintenance, more marketing, and that's splitting your focus. And you're not going to be able to afford this team that you need to have to support all of those moving pieces anyway. And you're doing your right fit clients a disservice because you're no longer able to focus in on them and on the transformation that you actually wanted to bring to the world in the first place because you're pulled in every direction. Yeah. Right? And it's just as, it's just as actually, it's not just about them too. It can actually be just as devaluing to the people that you're bringing into the lower offers because it's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to give them what they need. And again, we're going through this and it sounds like we're arguing that it has to be high ticket. It has to be premium pricing. No. It has to be all of that. But that's not true too, because if you, on the flip side, go for this like super premium experience and it requires too much of you and too much of your team and it's not in alignment with how you want to show up as a team, as a business, as a person, you're going to burn out just Mm -hmm. as fast. And I mean, I remember what Kachina was talking about, Kachina Gosselin back in episode six, right? Because she had this push-pull where yes, the the high-ticket, high-touch VIP experiences are amazing. And it wasn't the right fit for the kind of business that she wanted to grow and scale. And so she actually went in the other direction, which is, she said, in order to get where we want to go, we need to change our delivery, adjust it so that we don't need to charge as high a price. And instead we can offer this hybrid experience that's going to allow us to serve more people. Even before VCA, but deeper into the work with VCA, I think I realized that there's kind of an income ceiling that I personally want to hit in my business. And then when you start detaching your sense of self-worth from how much revenue your business actually generates, and then you go back to the impact, sometimes you raise that ceiling again. But I think it's this understanding that at some point, 
the the business itself is not the purpose why we do the work we do. It's clear that we each uh, have a like ripple effect, as you said, into the lives of the people we touch and then the lives that they touch. And so, you know, for me, there's a point at which it can't be for the dollar. It can't be for, you know, I broke that seven figure mark and now I'm going for that eight figure mark. It's really got to be, wow, I'm able to change more people's lives. And I know that this is deeply meaningful because I respected my own boundaries, my own vision, my own values. So I'm living out my truth. I think very often when we suppress our truth to achieve the revenue goals and we think somehow we're going to then like shift our business to then meet our dreams, we kind of lock ourselves into this business model that's both exhausting and draining and we then can't escape it. So it was so valuable to go into VCA and find this way both to expand our revenue goals, but do so in a way that didn't interfere with, with the true dreams and goals of the business. You talked a little bit about the extremes, the high ticket to something a little bit more down the line where we start talking about breadth versus depth, right? And this is a little bit of what we talked about way back when in season one, when we talk about value to the business and value to the client and finding the right balance point with all of the levers that hits just right on the nose as to how you can provide the maximum amount of value to the client while still being at the maximum value to the business and allowing yourself then to price at that maximum value point. We talk about this all the time with our clients, how your values should be the lens through which you make every decision. But I think subconsciously, we get into this place where we think that there's certain decisions that we should just make based on the math. and. I don't know why, but price had kind of fallen in that mental bucket for me. Like we said off the top, I was kind of like, really? We have to talk about pricing? Hasn't everyone got that solved by now? But the truth is that most people solve pricing separate from their values, and they don't actually look at it through the lens of what is my price doing to either further or diminish the values that we say that we hold. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Many of you probably don't know this, but way back when we used to watch the show Numbers and the main oh, character- Such a good TV show. Would always show. say, such a good TV show. I, I actually <laughs> want to go back and rewatch some of it now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but the main character would always say, numbers are everywhere. Numbers are in everything. And mm -hmm. oftentimes what I see happening for our people, both in our audience and and for our clients as well, is that we work and we talk all about the alignment, we talk about the purpose, we talk about the value, we talk about the transformation. And then it's like we put on the logic classes, mm. right? And we look over and we go, okay, that's all to the side. Now let's talk about things in numbers because numbers only exist over here in this narrow little band of yeah. logic. It's funny because you, you started talking about numbers as in the TV show. And I thought you were going to do the other quote, which is that everything is numbers, right? Everything is numbers. And yeah. mm -hmm. I, I think what we're really learning from this conversation, but this season in general is that actually everything is values and everything is mm -hmm. culture because yes. You look at what we talked about this season. Last episode, we talked about marketing and attracting clients. We talked about hiring. We talked about the visionary pyramid. We talked about value propositions. We've talked about pricing. We've talked about literally every topic. Um, okay, not every topic. That would not be a very long time. season. <laughs> but we've touched upon most of the major areas of business, sales and marketing, product ops, and finance and admin. And values have a key role, if not the key role 
in how you make decisions in all of those areas, not just in the obvious, quote unquote, obvious ones of what do we put out on social media and do we have captions on our videos, right? Like that's that's like the surface level of values expression. But even your price should have value expression built into it at that base level. Yeah. And not just external value expression. I want to just address one thing in here. You mentioned touching on the three structures. And in a lot of ways, finance and admin is where we're starting to move into towards the end of the season here, looking at the HR kind of aspect. The other thing that gets attached to price is our capability, our ability to pay equitably for our team, yeah, our salaries. That's based on value as well. How we choose to pay our team members, pay our contractors, both monetarily and in benefits is also mm-hmm. tied into that cultural aspect of our values. And what do our values tell you to do? Right. And it's so intrinsically tied together. Yeah. You really can't look at, at the money side of the business, whether it's pricing or expenses or revenue or how much you pay your team or any of these things. You can't look at those things without looking at culture, which is why culture is the intersection of profit and team in our structure, but it's also the foundation and it's the thing that you need to put in place to make sure that all the rest of the structures stay aligned as you grow, right? Yes, you need to have your profit and results aligned with a strong model. Yes, you need to have your results and your team aligned to have strong operations. But if you don't have your team and your profit aligned and you don't have that culture piece in place, you can get the other pieces to a point where they are supposedly scalable, but as soon as something changes, it's all going to fall apart. The only way that you make sure that all of those things stay in alignment is to really be going and saying, what is the cultural decision that we're making here? Yeah. Otherwise, that, that balance between the three structures just falls apart. It's one of those things that when you don't, when you start to see yourself being able to measure your revenue that you're making from every activity in your core offering and be able to address that and look at it and say, this is in alignment with our values. Mm -hmm. When you're able to go and promote your core offer and reserve your follow-on offer for existing clients rather than spreading yourself thin over a variety of different offers, Mm -hmm. when you've got the capability and ability to be able to then turn around and say, okay, now I can take all of those things that are coming in and use them to further support the culture in the team and intrinsically within the company. Then you know you've got that stability starting to work for you. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I understand the theory of it, but I don't know really how to execute. I'm going to send you back to season one. And particularly, I want you to listen to episode four, which is the title of the episode is, Is Your Core Offer Scalable? But we're really talking about looking at the business, at the offer, at how you're delivering things. And then episode five builds on that by saying, okay, now let's look at value to the client in terms of how much results we're providing and value to the business in terms of how much we're doing in terms of expressing our values and building profit in those two episodes they really lay out the process that we use in the academy to 
answer these questions with our clients. And of course, you're also welcome to come and join us in the academy. We're happy to take you through these exercises and work with you. But regardless of the way you approach it, at the end of the day, really, we want to talk about are you consciously and explicitly making your pricing decisions with your values at the core? And then next time when we return, we'll be talking about how your company culture can help you leave a lasting impact on your customers and on your community. And then as always, we appreciate you joining us, being here and listening from the unceded territory of the Qualcomm First Nations. I'm Jill Jovanazzo. She's Brianne Dick. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.